Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The bigger picture, only on Money FM 89.3. Good morning and welcome to the bigger picture. Earnings season for Q4 is in full swing and continues this week with Netflix, Tesla and Intel all reporting. Also on the calendar, the BOJ and ECB holding monetary policy meetings, among other things happening. Vasu Menon, Managing Director for Investment Strategy from OCBC Bank, joins me today to discuss all that and more. Vasu, good morning. How are you? Very good morning. I'm very well. Thank you. Enjoying the sunshine? Indeed. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, the sun seems to be shining on stock markets after the Dow's closed at over 38,000 for the first time ever on Monday. And markets will be hoping for more optimism from Q4 earnings results this week. As I said, some big fish reporting, Netflix, Tesla, Intel among them. What are your thoughts? What are your expectations? Well, you know, so far it's been pretty good in terms of earnings. I mean, you've got 11% of the S&P 500 companies announcing earnings so far. And according to data compiled by Bloomberg, 85% of those companies have beaten profit estimate. As you said, you know, you've got uh, earnings season going into full gear this week or high gear this week. 75 S&P 500 companies announcing results this week. And, you know, as long as these companies deliver in terms of beating market expectations, I think that's going to provide some degree of support to the markets. We've had a rocky start, but more it appears to be slowly getting back on its feet and if Mm. earnings comes through in terms of companies beating expectations then I think that's going to provide some degree of support to stocks on Wall Street and I think that markets are going to keep a very close eye especially in the technology companies because analysts expecting the Magnificent 7 for example to uh, report a 47% increase in earnings uh, for the fourth quarter that's a very high bar so it remains to be seen whether the earnings will be able to meet those high expectations especially for the technology sector yeah also supporting the markets is U.S. consumer sentiment. It improved in January, hitting the highest level in two and a half years, of course, amid growing optimism over the outlook for inflation. I guess this bodes well for the economy's prospects this year? Well, it does, at least if you look at that data point. But looking ahead over the next 12 months, don't forget that, you know, the tailwinds from greater consumer spending will start to wane. Don't forget, in the last couple of years, the U.S. government, through very aggressive fiscal policy, has put a lot of money in the pockets of U.S. households. So they had lots of excess savings. That's slowly being whittled down, and it will be whittled down even more over the next 12, 18 months. And that means that, you know, U.S. consumers will not have the same degree of firepower they had over the last 12 to 18 months. But that doesn't mean that, you know, consumer spending is going to fall off the cliff because household balance sheet in the U.S. is still strong even without that excess savings. And so, you know, we are relatively optimistic that the U.S. economy will at most see a mild recession on the premise that the household sector in the U.S. is strong balance sheet. Consumer spending will still be decent and corporate balance sheets are strong as well. Yeah, I suppose a big determining factor will be PCE price deflator data, which also comes out on Friday. That's the Fed's preferred gauge of inflation. Moving on, another big item on the agenda this week is the Bank of Japan's monetary policy meeting. It kicks off today, runs into tomorrow. Now, most analysts are expecting the BOJ to keep monetary policy settings steady. You'd have to be a brave man to go against the grain on that one, Vasu. But eyes and ears should be or would be, could be on Governor Kazuo Ueda's press conference with respect to achieving the BOJ's price goal. Would that be correct? Indeed. You know, in fact, our view is that he'll probably do nothing or signal that, you know, a lot hinges on data on wages because that's eventually what drives inflation in Japan. And we're not going to get clarity until the April spring wage round 
of negotiations. I think, you know, the markets are hoping that the unions are talking about, you know, 5 6% wage increase. UAW will want to wait for that to happen to see whether the negotiations will actually deliver that kind of significant wage increase in April before he starts moving. So our view is that they'll do nothing at least until April when they get a better bearing of where wage growth is in Japan is going to be because while inflation has gone above the Bank of Japan's 2% target, what's interesting is that last week when, you know, the inflation data for Japan was released for December, it showed the core inflation rate coming down from 2.5% in November to 2.3% in December. So it's eased a little bit. You know, I think so the Bank of Japan knows that inflation has been, you know, a fairly recent thing. Uh, Japan has been mired in deflation for a very long time. So they'll be cautious before moving. They'll want to see how the wage negotiations take place in April. And they'll keep a very close eye on inflation data and wage data to make their final call. And we suspect that, you know, uh, any kind of decision on, you know, normalizing monetary policy in a more significant way, especially increasing interest rates, will only take place after April. All right. So no movement just yet on the negative interest rate policy from the BOJ. Let's move on to the ECB. They are also meeting this week. And analysts also expect the ECB to keep rates unchanged at what is going to be the first meeting of the year. Some Bloomberg consensus, though, pointed to four basis point cuts starting in June. What are you foreseeing there? I think that is the signal from President Lagarde. That's our view as well. We think that, you know, rate cuts will begin sometime in June. Essentially, the markets are pricing in the possibility of rate cuts in March, April, you know, but we think that it's likely to be in June. It's quite clear that, you know, the ECB wants to see clearer signs that inflation is easing before it acts just like the Federal Reserve and just like many other major central banks around the world. Although inflation has come off, I think still concerns that, you know, we could see a resurgence of inflation. So in the case of the Eurozone, inflation has come down quite nicely. But nevertheless, you know, I think the ECB is going to hold back as a note of caution. And I think likely, as Lagarde said, she sent a strong signal, in fact, last week that the timing of the first ECB rate hike is likely to take place in summer. And that means likely somewhere around June. So our view is that June is when rate cuts will take place at earliest. All right. Just five months after that, we have the U.S. presidential election. Of course, all eyes are going to be on that one. A lot of risk experts, Vasu, have pointed to that election being the number one risk for this year, even ahead of wars in Gaza, Israel, as well as Ukraine and Russia. Now, investors are starting to evaluate the risks from Donald Trump winning November's election after his victory in Iowa's Republican primary this week. What are some of these macroeconomic risks that you see? Those are real risks. I mean, I tend to agree. I mean, it's probably one of the biggest risk factors investors have to keep in mind. The risk of Mr. Donald Trump actually becoming president once again. In other words, Trump 2.0. You know, he has talked about, he's threatened imposing a 10% tariff on all goods coming into the U.S. That's very significant. That's going to fuel inflation. It's going to stop the Fed from hiking rates. It's going to cause the U.S. dollar to surge against major currencies like the euro, the Japanese yen, and the Chinese currency. And that's going to complicate the outlook for financial markets. Mm. On top of that, if you look at what Trump has done previously, He's cut corporate taxes when he first came into the office. Now, this time around, there's a possibility of that happening. Of course, that might give the market a boost initially. But if you look at what happened in the UK when they did the same thing in 2022, without cutting back on government spending, when it was not properly funded, what resulted was a surge in yields. And the same thing could happen in the US if Trump goes down the route of talking about big corporate tax cuts and other tax cuts, which are not funded, not sufficiently funded. It could cause treasury yields in the US to surge. Other factors that could you know, work against Trump would be the fact that the rule of 
of law in the U.S. could change. I mean, could you federal agencies to go after his opponents? The relationship between the U.S. and the rest of the world, he could pull out of NATO once again, withdraw support from Ukraine, withdraw support from his allies overseas. And that again adds another layer of geopolitical risk around the world. So lots can happen, you know, with Trump as president and the uncertainty of what the final outcomes might be is going to keep investors very nervous and probably inject quite a bit of volatility in the financial markets in 2025 if he takes office as president of the United States. The Trump 2.0 talk is very much happening in the here and now. We, of course, know that a SPAC tied to him has surged almost 200% in a six-day rally. Vasu Menon, thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you for having me on the show. That was Vasu, who's the Managing Director for Investment Strategy at OCBC Bank. Stay with Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.